Thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you for the, the gift of your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who has made us one with you. And we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to take our suffering on himself. Lord Jesus, today we remember you promised that the gates of hell could not stand against your church. We thank you for continuing to build your church here on this earth. Would you continue to strengthen and establish us here in Snell's Beach? Would this church be found faithful? To this end, God, I, I pray that you would continue to teach each of us from your gospel so that we might know the truth that is in your word. Would you prepare for each of us encounters with others so that we can share your good news with this community? Well, there are so many broken and lost people in this world, but you have sent us as your church to point the way back to you through Jesus Christ. So would you give us opportunity to share your word? And we also pray for the people in this congregation who cannot be here today. Would you continue to heal those who are sick or recovering from surgery? Would you be with them to heal and to strengthen them? But I also pray for all the other churches meeting across this region. Um, we ask that you would, um, you would be with them as, as they gather in your name, that um, they would be strengthened and nourished by your word to, to do the same thing, to live on mission and to, um, or to, to bring a, an, an understanding of who you are and what you've done for us, uh, an, an awareness of your, uh, of your Holy Spirit and his presence in the lives of those who believe in you, that uh, the, the Christians um, here in this whole region, whatever church they go to, would be known as people of, of faith and conviction. Uh, so, Lord, finally, as, as we turn to your word, we ask that you would work the miracle of preaching. That, that what I have prepared from your word may be your word to this church. I pray, Father, that in all things you might receive glory and honor and praise. Holy Spirit, would you work now to soften hearts and warm them to the gospel of Revive us with your word, we pray. Amen. We all can, can take a seat. Well, good morning. It's good to see, good to see you all again. Um, good especially to see uh, the primary school students who are still with us. I've got Grace in my front row again. Uh, and if, if you're visiting with us here today, we're, we're so glad that you are, are here. Um, I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you primary school students are here again because now two weeks in a row you get to see one of the main reasons why we gather as a church and that, um, that, that, that we gather really to hear from God and we hear, his, uh, we hear his voice through his word, which we find in, in the Bible. And so I don't know if, if any of you remember who were here last week, I, I had three things that we wanted to hear every time we come to the Bible. Does anybody in primary school, remember those three things, or maybe one of them? I know Grace knows one, but she's not going to say. Okay, that's okay. Um, so the, the three things we want to hear whenever we read the Bible, whether it's someone up here preaching, or whether you're reading at home alone, or with your family. First, we want to we hear, what does the Bible say? Just very basic, what does the Bible say? But second, we, we want to know what that means. So second is, what does it mean? And third, why does it matter? So this is every, every time we come to the Bible, I want, I want us to try to catch these three things. And, and for you primary students today, I want you to try to catch the three things um, in this message that I'll be giving. 
So what, is, what does it say, what does it mean, and why does it matter? So first, we'll look at what, what the Bible says. And this one today for us is easy, because we're, we're back in the book of Jonah, which is just a story. So we, we started looking at Jonah about a month ago, but stopped to celebrate Easter and, and coming back together as a church. And when, when we left the story, we had we'd only got about three verses in. We're at the very beginning. So um, this week, as I, as I read the word to us, I'm going to start back at that beginning. So this is Jonah chapter 1. And um, would you turn there with me? We'll just be reading the whole of chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he, he, he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And this is where our story today starts. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a, a mighty tempest on the sea, so, so the ship threatened to break up. Well, then the, the mariners were afraid, and, and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain of the ship came and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise. Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us, let us cast lots, that, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they, they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on, on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of, of what people are you? And, and, and he said to them, I am a, a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Well, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this thing that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had already told them. Then they said to him, What, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. It's a big storm. Um, he, he, he said to them, pick me up and, and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they, they called out to the Lord. O Lord. Let us not perish for this man's life, and, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done just as it pleased you. And so they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Well, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. This is God's word to us today. So like I said, what, what does it say is a bit easy with a story. What does it say? Well, it, it says that Jonah was a, a prophet who was supposed to speak the message God gives him. But instead of going to this city, Nineveh, Jonah runs away. God says, go east. Jonah goes west. 
But God sends a storm after Jonah to get him to turn around. And our, our whole story today is really about this storm. God sends the storm. So in, in one way, it's, it's God's storm. But it's also Jonah's storm, isn't it? Jonah's disobedience is, is what brings about the storm on the ship. So it is, it is Jonah's storm too. And the, the sailors on this boat are just caught in the middle. So what does the Bible say in our passage today? What is step one? That even though God is in control of the storm, it comes because of, because of Jonah's disobedience, because of Jonah's sin. Okay, so I have a question for the, the primary school students out there, if you were see how well you were paying attention in that first minute or so. We, we've done what does it say, but does anyone remember what comes next? What does it mean? Yeah. Thanks, Grace. Um, yeah, so what does it say? Walk, uh, walks right into what does it mean? And this second step, yes. Why does it matter? Step three. Um, that's good because these, these steps all come from the first, right? Because the, the Bible can't mean what it doesn't say. So we always walk from what does it say to what does it mean? So if if what this story says is that even though God is in control of the storm, um, and the storm comes because, because of Jonah's disobedience, we have, to, we have to ask what that means. And one question I've been asking as I study this passage to, to help me with that um, is, is the question, whose storm is it? Whose storm is it? Well, on, on the one hand, it's, it's the Lord's storm. Because in, in verse 4, uh, the Lord hurls the wind onto the sea. And at, at the very end, when the, when the sailors throw Jonah into the ocean, the storm stops immediately. So, so God shows his control over the storm by starting and by stopping it. Jonah himself tells us that this storm comes from the Lord. Remember, he says in, in verse 9 you know, that, that he worships the God of heaven. This means the God of everything. Everything on this earth is under heaven, right? But Jonah goes on, he says more than this, that that this God, he made the sea and the dry land. There is, there is nothing left outside God's control. Well, if, if the sailors were afraid when the storm comes, they are much more afraid when they find out who the storm comes from. Right? This, this storm is, is God's storm. And in verse 5, when the storm first comes upon them, it says the sailors were afraid. But in verse 10, after Jonah tells them who has sent the storm, the, the, the Bible says literally, they feared a big fear. We don't really talk like that, but you can hear just how scared they are when, when they say to Jonah, what is this that you have done? Right? Because there is no outrunning the God who created all things. And now even these sailors are in danger because of what Jonah has done. This story shows that God is in complete control of the storm. Because even when the sailors try to get back to land to save Jonah's life, they cannot, because the winds sent by God are, are too strong. So whose storm is it? I think, I think we can say this is God's storm. But you're probably asking, what about Jonah? Isn't, isn't the storm his fault? When, when the sailors hear who sent the storm, didn't they say, what is this that you have done to Jonah? And back in, in verse 4, God sends the storm because Jonah is running away. So when we, we ask whose storm this is, we can also say that it is Jonah's storm. So isn't, isn't this what the story tells us? Think about Jonah's place in this story. We saw a, a few weeks ago that, that Jonah goes in the opposite direction 
of God. Not only does God ask him to go east and Jonah goes west, but if, if God is the God of heaven, he is, he is above us. So like, like Jonah says then, drawing close to God means that we should be going up. But in, in this story, Jonah is constantly going down. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the ship. And in, in verse 5, it says Jonah is tucked into the very far reaches of the ship. So when the, when the sailors wanted to find out who was responsible for him, responsible for the storm, they, they cast lots. And like, like throwing dice to, to try to find out who to blame. And even these lots point to Jonah. So when this, when this happens, Jonah finally says to the sailors, I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. So, so not only the story tells us that the storm is Jonah's fault, but Jonah himself says that it's his fault. So whose storm is it? Well, this is Jonah's storm too, isn't it? There is, there's honestly so much just kind of packed into this chapter that I could, I could easily spend about two hours trying to untangle it all with you. And some of you might even be able to, to stay awake for that. But um, I'll come back to, to some of those things that I've been, I've been kind of toying with this week uh, in that, that week of self-denial or um, uh, missions that, that will come in a few weeks. But for today, I want to focus on this question. Whose storm is it? Is it, is it God's storm or Jonah's? And in some way, the answer to that question is, is yes, which doesn't really make sense. Because yes, God is, is sovereign, right? He is, he is in control of the storm. But his control over the storm points to the fact that Jonah is the reason for the storm. God is, is control over the, the casting of lots. That why, that's why they threw the dice, because no human could influence that. But they trusted that the Lord would point out the guilty party. And he did. He is, control, he is in control over the casting of lots, and the lots point to Jonah. So throughout this whole story, even the whole book of Jonah, God is in control of of everything under heaven. He is the creator. And, and, and by his word, the Bible says he created everything. And so all of creation naturally obeys God's word. But this prophet Jonah, who's supposed to speak the word of God, is instead running from the word of God. And this is kind of one of those things that, that runs throughout this whole story of Jonah, these four chapters, that there's this connection between God's sovereignty, his, his control over everything, or rule over everything, and human responsibility, or our will. And throughout the book of Jonah, God is this creator God. He made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. There is, there is nothing outside of his control. But Jonah, who's supposed to be God's messenger, is in rebellion. He is constantly disobedient. And so there's this, there's this tension between God's sovereignty and Jonah's sin throughout the whole book. God commands the winds and they blow. He, he commands the waves, and they crash against the boat, but he commands his prophet, and he flees. In, in theological terms, what, what we are seeing is, is the relationship between sovereignty and sin, between God's rule and our rebellion. And this, quite honestly, is, is one of the, the trickiest teachings in the Bible for us to understand, and to understand well. You know, we, can, we can fall really easily to one side or the other and, and make mistakes in how we kind of hold these two things in tension. But the Bible makes it clear that God is sovereign. He, he created all things. And when he created the world, God called all things good. But then sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. 
in the, in, in the Garden of Eden where, where God made Adam and Eve. And so sin is this rebellion that we see both in Adam and Eve and now in Jonah. And sin brings a very real uh, a curse, and not, not only on, on humanity, but also on, on the earth as well. God says that even the ground will be cursed because of sin, and that Adam will have to labor hard in the ground to, to produce fruit to live on. And this is, in fact, where we trace all, all evil back to. All suffering that we experience is a result of sin in this world. Sin has, has soaked into the ground. And so now we live in an environment where sin always has a very real effect on our lives. So we can, we can see a few different ways that sin impacts us in this story, right? Because this storm in Jonah is, it is the result of Jonah's sin. So for Jonah, the storm is a, a direct impact of sin in his life. He sins and the storm comes. But for the sailors, the storm isn't so direct. They weren't the ones who sinned. Yet they're suffering alongside Jonah while the storm is, is, is against the boat. Storms and, and suffering in our lives might come as a result of our own sin. This, this is possible. You know, if I, if I let my anger flare up, I get really mad, and I, I punch a guy who's twice my size, I might suffer a little bit because of my own sin. But there is also suffering that comes as a result of, of other people's sin near us. You know, gossip and slander can, can ruin a person's career or relationships. They can tear a, a church apart. Many, many of you have been wronged or sinned against by someone else. And this creates a, a level of, of suffering in your life. Am I right? Other times, we might suffer simply because we live in this environment where sin is a factor. You know, an, an issue that we always have to deal with. Our, our sin-soaked ground produces plants with thorns. And our, our sin-stained sky brings storms. Yet the Bible still teaches that God remains sovereign. He, he remains in control. And this is one of the, the comforts that we have in his control over the world. Is what Paul says in Romans 8.28. That, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And this good is, is not earthly good you know, like, like money or, or health. But what Paul says in, in the next verses, this is what our good is. This good is our ultimate good. You know, God works through the circumstances of our life to produce repentance and faith. God does not waste the storms and the suffering in our life. He works even in our bad situations. And this, this connection between God's sovereignty and human responsibility is at the core of this story of Jonah. You know, the, the core of this little story even today. But this, this is also the, at the core of many stories in the Bible. And one of the best examples of this is, is uh, the man Joseph, Jacob's uh, second to youngest son. And when, when Joseph was a, a young man, his brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. But at the end of his life, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it or good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive. Only because Joseph was sold into slavery was he put in charge of all of Egypt's food. And only because he was in charge of their food was, was he able to store up food for when the famine would come. And the, and the famine did come, and so people came to Egypt, and he was able to give food 
to not only the people in Egypt, but even to his own family. The same brothers who sold him into slavery came down to buy food from him. Joseph doesn't say to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. But that, but that even what the brothers meant for evil, God meant for a greater good than either Joseph or his brothers could have known, even as Joseph was, was tied to a camel and forced to walk the long road as a slave to Egypt. So the point is this, that the sin and storms that produce suffering in our lives are not wasted by God. And just like many were saved from the sin of selling Joseph into slavery, even the, the sailors in this story are saved because of Jonah's sin. Right? What, what Jonah meant for evil, God meant for good. And like I said, this is just one piece of what this story today means. And we will, we will come back to look more closely at, at Jonah's role in this story in a few weeks. Because he is he's a real character. He's a good negative example for us. But this week, I want us to see this side of the story. You know, we, we saw what the Bible said in our passage today, right? Step one, that, that even though God is in control of the storm, the storm comes because of Jonah's disobedience. And so we looked at, at what this means, that there is a, a connection, even in our lives, between sin and storms. That even while we say God is in control, or that God is sovereign, that the evil that exists in the world today always comes back to us. Evil and suffering are a result of our sin. Whether it is our sin or someone else's, or just this world that we lived in, all evil and all pain is a result of the, the reality of sin. And so this is one reason why us as Christians have our hope not in this world, but in the next, where there will be no sin, and so there will be no pain and no suffering. So if those, are, if those are steps one and two, finally, we have our last step. Grace, do you know step three? Yeah, why does it matter? Thank you. So why does it matter? Here's why I think it matters, because salvation always comes through storms and suffering. Jonah is living in rebellion, and, and this storm is meant to bring him to his senses, this storm is meant to help Jonah repent, to, to turn around and head back to land, back to where God is calling him to go. But Jonah refuses. And in, in the process, all of the sailors on the boat who do not know God are brought to repentance. They begin to worship the Lord. They, they make sacrifices to the Lord, which they didn't do on the boat because they had already thrown everything off the side, right? They, they went back to Israel and worshiped the Lord there. So there was real change in their lives because of even Jonah's disobedience. So think again also about Joseph. His own life was saved, but also the lives of thousands of people because he went through sovereign suffering. I know there are a lot of preachers who will promise you blessing in this life for following Jesus. And the, the tricky part is this is partly true, right? The, the Bible says that we are given every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in us who believe. We are given power over Satan and his attacks, his lies, and his influence over our lives, even his influence in this world. In, in many ways, we as Christians are called to live victorious and blessed lives. But the people who promise material blessings, things like a, a release from suffering 
or, or freedom without a fight. These people are promising a Jesus who has no real power at all. A Jesus who is more concerned with how you feel than your eternal destiny. For those who, who want to truly follow Jesus Christ, it is a path through suffering to salvation. Just like these sailors. Just like Joseph. Just like Abraham or, or Moses or Ruth or David or Esther. And most of all, just like Jesus. Jesus suffered more than any of us could ever imagine. Jesus, while he was enjoying all the, the power and the glory of being God alongside the, the Holy Spirit and, and the Father, he willingly came to bring us salvation. He came knowing that salvation comes through sovereignly appointed suffering. Jesus came willingly to die because this was the only way to bring us back to God. According to the Father's plan, Jesus came and, and lived this perfect life. He, he suffered to pay our death and was raised again from the dead so that the Holy Spirit can take this resurrection life and make us new again, can join us to the Father. Because many people gathered together to have Jesus killed, but this all happened according to God's plan. You see, we, we see the, the relationship between sin and sovereignty, suffering and salvation most clearly in Jesus. The people who killed Jesus meant it for evil, but God meant it for the greatest of all goods. So again, why does this matter? Because as Christians, our path is through suffering to glory. We follow our Lord Jesus who suffered and died in our place. Jonah wanted nothing to do with a God who might ask him to do something he didn't want to do. But my prayer for us is that we would not fall into the trap that tells us there is no suffering along our road to victory or freedom in Christ. Salvation comes through storms and suffering. Jesus suffered, and so will all of us who follow him. Our path is through suffering to glory, and, and we trust with each step that the same God who has planned and purchased our victory in Christ has planned the storms that, that lead us along the way.